It is indeed. And uh, we live to learn together every single Friday night between 8 and midnight right here on SAFM. Uh, joining me on the line now, we have the head curator at the Melrose Gallery, uh, Ruzi Rusike, alongside Yolanda Tikok, who's uh, an education officer at uh, Olivens Hayes Art Museum. Good evening to you guys. How are you all doing? Good evening. Uh, How are you? Fantastic, <laughs> evening, ladies. Bridget. Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the call. Um, we were hoping to get Prof. Petikanduli on the line, but we are struggling. But I think we'll be just A-OK with you two ladies as uh, representatives to uh, speak to us about this exhibition. Azibuyele uh, Emma Sisweni, The Return to the Source by Petikanduli. I guess first and foremost, let's start by unpacking a little bit of that title and contextualizing it for us before we even get to the body of work and its significance. Uh, and maybe, Rusi, uh, you might be well-placed to give us an overview of this. Okay, so um, essentially during COVID, um, well, before COVID, we were invited to participate um, in the Grand Town Arts Festival. Mm-hmm. And then um, we were struggling with different titles, and then we finally landed up with um, Azubuyele and Mrs. Sweeney returned to the source. And because we felt that there was a need for spirituality and there was a need to unpack specifically the bones mm. via um, the return, because with contemporary art, everyone always thinks about contemporary art with a specific aesthetic. Mm. And with this art, it, all, it linked back to a narrative that wasn't defined for us, a narrative via our bones, a narrative via African um, sculpture, um, and it was boxed into this canon of defining African art as something of the dark continent. So instead, we decided via the title to challenge both spirituality and to challenge um, the return to ourselves and the return to defining ourselves and via art. So um, then with the exhibition, we couldn't obviously present it online. Mm. I mean, physically, sorry. And then we had to present it um, online. And um, essentially, that's what happened. And we platformed it with around 33 collaborators. And uh, that's what it was all about. It was about unpacking what it is via the bones um, that essentially made up the exhibition. I got you. Um, And this exhibition had quite an interesting reception at the uh, National Arts Festival. Um, You you know, a little bit of light reading uh, goes on to to say that uh, it actually challenged a lot of people, some some noted creatives and thought leaders um, and contributors within South Africa and the diaspora to to actually have a response of sort um, to it. The the likes of Zolani uh, Mahola, uh, Simpiwe Dana, um, this is a quite a variety of of creatives who, for by and large, are the custodians of the South African and African story. All had some kind of response. What was it about this exhibition? Do you think that 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 tapped into to they need to engage it and 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 to respond to it? So I think that um, it's unfortunate that obviously Prof can't be here, but mm. he was such a catalyst to actually in sparking everyone to collaborate at this at this level. Um, because obviously during COVID, everyone was um, locked up and um, we were saying to everyone that, listen, there are these bones that require your breath. Mm. And breath is actually um, spirit. 
you know? So with this, um, they didn't even hesitate via the invitation via Prof because Prof is such an inspirational um, thought leader. Um, he's just inspiring by the way he's able to articulate um, both for another person that when they speak about their spirit. So people didn't hesitate when he said to them, listen, I've got this bone that I believe speaks to your spirit mm. and I'd like your spirit to speak to it and actually unpack it. And our most significant collaboration for me was um, Buti Maimela mm. and he invited his daughter um, and different people. Um, and I was just so inspiring. And I, and I believe that people must, it's, it's so important to go into the Maurer's Gallery website mm. and um, actually engage with the content because the content goes beyond what I could even say. And mm. um, it speaks to us as Africans because at the end of the day, we orators. Mm. And the way we are able to articulate ourselves via song, via music, via poetry. It's, um, it's like speaking in tongues. Yeah. And you actually felt the spirit of not only the bone, but the, um, the collaborators as well. So I think that when, even with the writers, such as Nguzu Watong, Gumi Baba, all these thought leaders that are at the top of the hierarchy, um, when they spoke about Patika, um, they spoke about him as a, as as a person that was able to um, not only be this artist, but actually be a thought leader and, as well as a political activist. So mm. he's able to politicize something that needs to be more um, political, because I think that art specifically with such a global interest in contemporary African art right now, yeah. I think that it's time for us. Um, to collaborate more. And I think that that's why we won the Global Fine Arts People's Choice Award. Mm. Um, because, And we were up against the top museums in the world. And um, we just put together something so small, but it became so much bigger than us. Yeah. And it's because of the collaborators. Um, so it's, when people have an opportunity, um, you can spend hours on there. And, yeah, and see the body of work. Uh, mm. It is uh, Rusi joining us, who's the head curator at the Melrose Gallery, also joined by Yolanda de Kock on the line, who is an education officer at uh, Oliver Hayes Art Museum. Um, yes. And we are talking about the spiritual connection uh, around this exhibition, Azibuyele Emma Siswani. Yolanda, for you, I mean, what makes this body of work stand out uh, above anything else that, that sort of has been out there or that has been carrying the conversation around our conscious blackness and its interconnectivity? Um, well, for me, it's literally about the space it's been um, displayed in. So mm. at Believe in Ice, we have a reservoir gallery, mm. and um, which is literally a gallery underground. Um, and having Prof's exhibition there with a series of bone sculptures, and um, as you enter the space, you walk down the stairs, and you encounter these almost floating bone sculptures mm. because due to the way they are assembled, you know, um, makes you part inevitably of a ritual or a spiritual feeling, um, not just due to the space, but also what um, those, um, you know, sculptures are bringing to the fore. Mm. 
And um, like Ruby said, you know, um, you know, with the engagement of these works and with the engagement of the collaborators, you know, you are you can't help to find yourself also forming part of a universal, um, you know, African unity. Mm. So um, for me, the bone sculptures is quite ironically that it's in a reservoir that was built in 1905 Mm. and um, which was also like literally, you know, a water um, source of water supply. And um, Prof works with a lot with um, elements of the earth, air, water, mm. and fire, and bones also coming from the soil, from the soil and the earth, and now being displayed again back underneath the ground, but bringing up new conversations about um, source, spirituality, and um, sculptural, you know, engagement mm. is such a beautiful um, exhibition and way to explore spirituality. And and when we talk bones, just for those who are listening, uh, for a sense of clarity, we, we're not talking human remains here, <laughs> though, though the conversation we have centered it around, you know, its meaning for us as, as humanity, but we're not talking particularly uh, human remains. We're talking uh, um, uh, elephant, rhino, giraffe, and, and the likes. That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting. I think my producer says that we've got Prof on the line uh, already or we've lost him again. That's that's perfectly fine. Um, and, and when we're having a conversation around returning to source um, and, and we, we're having a conversation around, um, you know, the healing nature of spirituality, um, I wonder maybe, Yolanda, in, in your conversations as collaborators uh, within the gallery space with, uh, you know, your conversations with Prof and his team, um, why, why those particular particular bones why why the usage of of um you know for me i think what stood out is the elephant the, and the rhino in particular because of the conversation around um you know their 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 sort of ivory around their horns it would make it interesting then f- to juxtapose their sense of spirituality and, and their sort of remains against human remains because i almost feel our stories are, are intertwined somehow. Yeah, definitely embedded in that um, realm. Yeah, um, so I think um, the usage of bones, animal bones, and um, like Prof said in a previous conversation, you couldn't use any synth- synthetic um, um, material because that would have just been uh, a discounter to what he's trying to say about the earth. Mm. Um, but um, the way he has sculpted with the bones and carved into it and he left um, symbolism and you know drawings and beads on these sculptures mm. and gave them a very um, soft actually um, not not that you know what you would like you would think and mm. um, you know um, a female energy most of the figures are also female figures mm. so um, the arms of the figures and it's you know it's almost return you know it's calling you back all time Mm -hmm. and um so yeah that is interesting um the way prof is using the material trying to explain that um you know that you know yes the bones are from the soil from the earth but it has um you know multiple layers of meanings Mm -hmm. um when you really dig into it and um 
Yeah, and what it yeah, I really um, would encourage our our listeners to go and view the exhibition because we can't just explain it so much, you know. Yeah. Um, but to really see and engage with it um, is is, is something different. else. One has yes. to. It definitely sounds like something that one has to immerse themselves with, whether it's uh, online or if you can physically get to a space um, where yeah. it's going to be exhibited. To just have your own moment of walking through it and feeling it and sensing it, uh, because there is a great spiritual connection uh, with life, both living and, of course, past. From from what both of mm. you ladies are saying, and yet I often, um, you, you know, with exhibitions like this that evoke such a very strong emotive mm. connection and feeling it's always interesting that sometimes um the work that is being interrogated is interrogated also with a little bit of hesitation and a little bit of suspicion how have you found the audience's reaction um to to prof pitika's work um this is interesting um you know bloemfontein is not known for very you know <laughs> open-minded you know but we have we are an awesome community. But anyways, <laughs> I've seen, um, you know, people engaging and visitors engaging with the work and come back over and over and over again. Mm. Um, many of them left in tears because when you think about the source and when you think about spiritualism and your own journey mm. and whether you can heal wounds, um, maybe it's emotional wounds, okay. it's physical wounds, by looking at these works and listening to Prof's voice because he's reading poetry while you enter the space, mm. um, you cannot help to be triggered in some other way. And um, I've seen uh, many of them, you know, leaving in tears. People can come back and back again, almost cannot get enough of the exhibition, especially with the collaborators. Um, there's tablets and you can listen to the songs and the poetry and mm -hmm. you know it's it's such an emerging yeah it's such an immersive exhibition that yeah it's so well received so yeah. we have like exhibition the exhibition we had a walkabout we had um even a um a, a workshop mm. with students and other people, uh, artists, non-artists, and where we engaged with the sculptures and drew them. And, you know, even then, you could see how the work is just speaking to everyone. Yeah. And it's a universal language. It's not, you know, it's an African universal language. So I think it is received so, uh, you know, well yeah. um, in Bloemfontein. And as we prepare to, to wrap it up, uh, we've had some connectivity problems here, but uh, we've got uh, Prof on the line to give us the parting shots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good evening to you, Prof. We've had the whole conversation without you, but the ladies have had great uh, words to represent you and your work um, as, as a collective. Um, but good evening to you, Prof. How are you doing? Uh, in a good evening, it it does look like uh, you know the spirits that got in the two young women, uh, you know to speak, and they've designed that I should have a minimal uh, contribution, <laughs> and I love what they've said. <laughs> Definitely a good representation. Azibuyele Emasisweni returned to the source. I mean, it first opened at the National Arts Festival um, at, at sort of the the beginnings of of COVID. Um, and it was received quite incredibly. And I was asking uh, Rusi earlier on that, you, you, you know, what is it about the work? And I guess from your perspective, uh, what would you say it was about the conversation that you were inciting 
um, that really got people emotively engaged um, and got people really sort of internalizing and, and retrospecting for themselves and having their own dialogue, uh, but where your work was a catalyst of that? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, what uh, I decided to do was that uh, is to use bones, you know, mainly, mm. of course, with a bit of metal and some, uh, uh, you know, beads. Uh, because traditionally in Africa, mm. that is now to throw the bones is to divine the state of things. Yes. So I was divining my own spiritual journey and also divining the state of our country and also divining the state you know, of uh, you know, the world. Mm. And then by putting those bones up in it, we are unleashing uh, you know, spirits that actually exist and hover about in uh, uh, I mean, our own lives. Because not many people uh, you know, make art using bones. Mm. Uh, in the bones, of course, there are a lot of kind of emotive thoughts. And other people are even suggesting why couldn't you use plastic bones, plastic mm. anything? But the issue, it is the real bones of the real animals who had the real spirit, uh, whose spirit we have already reported to our own spirits as mm. we took those bones from where they were uh, and uh, asking them to uh, guide us in making up the art that uh, we need to make. Yeah. And and I was asking, Prof, you are obviously uh, best placed to, to give me insight on this. And I threw the question at the ladies to say, um, why primarily the use of rhino and elephant bones? Because, um, you know, both animals have a, have a very strong spiritual connection to the earth um, on our continent particularly, but also a very strong spiritual connection to the ancestry. Like if you look at elephant, for instance, uh, in African culture, for you though, what was the motivation using those particular bones? Now, when you speak about an elephant, uh, an elephant is known mostly for its memory. Mm. So return to the source has mm. got to do with memory. Mm. Right? Mm. And then when you talk about, you know, the rhino, uh, that has got only just one bone, a mm. uh, horn, uh, it, you know, in front of it. That is so potent that people just go about hunting this. By using actually those bones, then we are uh, registering the spirit of those animals. But remember that in African culture, every family has got a totem, has mm. got an animal that they uh, must protect, mm. right? Then tulis, for instance, we protect mamba snakes and we protect uh, uh, you know, hyenas. Mm. So there are those other people who protect, who are supposed to protect uh, the, uh, uh, you know, you know, the rhinos. Mm. If at all, we still followed our culture as it was actually originally designed by those that came before us. Mm. Mm-hmm. I got you. Listen, Prof, we could talk forever and a day, but like I said, uh, unfortunately, because of connectivity, uh, we were just literally jumping in, happy to jump in at the tail end of the conversation. Um, but the exhibition is uh, currently, it's currently running at uh, Olive and Hayes, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, and yes, then it is. Run. Okay, yeah. and then is there a sequence of when it will physically locate? Is it physically then going to Melrose Arch uh, Gallery? No, it's actually going to be touring to Durban Art Gallery okay. and then 
to other places as well. But it's something that we want people to track the exhibition and to um, basically follow the exhibition wherever it goes. Because I think that every um, space, it, it somehow um, creates its own spirit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for, for jumping in on the conversation. Prof, as per always, uh, it's always a delight to chat to you and we always walk away with a nugget or two. Um, that was uh, Prof Pitika Nduli, uh, renowned Professor Pitika Nduli. The exhibition is currently on at uh, Oliver and Hayes and then it jumps to the Durban Art Gallery where you can uh, see it from, uh, well, I guess it will be in the next couple of uh, weeks, days. Hey, ladies. Uh, and then you can track it from there as it moves around the country. Uh, We are fast approaching quarter to 10 o'clock right here on The Art of Everything.